And all this negativity that's in this town sucks. And I've been around, and, and, and when Jim Rice was booed, I've been around with Jusramski booed, and it stinks. It makes the greatest town, greatest city in the world lousy. This is Entitled Town. podcast with Bedardi and production values. My name is Wally Pip, and there is a full agenda as always. The starting five are back. Let's hit the ground running. We will get to Glenwood's <clears throat> retirement <clears throat> and everyone else in Boston media following each other to kiss his ring and fillet him as we record this edition of Entitled Town, 982 days since the 20 of the 18 World Series. And Scartelli, you're hitting lead off. We are in the middle of the calm before the storm of relentless take season with training camp. Um, it's been kind of nice to have some quiet Gasper aside, um, just the takes pounding us over the head relentlessly with just takes. It's going to be a return to normal soon, I'm pretty sure, but... Right now, it is kind of a uh, pleasant lull in uh, the, the usual idiocy. We did have the mini camp that we got through, and we had the uh, small sample sizes there that they'll have to scale up to the slightly larger small sample sizes during, the, uh, during training camp. The number of, uh, number of reps that uh, each quarterback took, at, uh, took under center and uh, all that other stupidity. And, and we're going to have to, you know, stand with a bated breath as to, you know, whether Hightower is going to retire. The ongoing story there. And what of course, we've got, uh, this week? <laughs> yeah, it's, um, and then of course, we've got uh, semi cryptic tweets to deal with in the interim. Yeah, it's what's the uh, the mean tweets segment is something that was very, very popular there for a while. And you know, or when WEEI started doing the mean tweets, that sort of thing. But you're right. It has been nice, aside than some, from Casper, you know, trying to incite everybody with his idiotic takes and gaslighting with a thesaurus. Um, Shaq, uh, have you enjoyed this lull in relative lull, I should say, in asinine media takes? Uh I guess the answer would be yes and no. Yes, because it's quiet, too quiet, but also it's the it's that anticipation, you know, it's that it's that you know that, that deep in in your stomach, that butterfly sensation that you know that there's gonna be a whole Niagara Falls type deluge of hot takes and crazy Gasparian uh words salads tweets that come out immediately as far as as soon as training camp starts so uh, it's it's a double-edged sword it's a good and a bad thing because i know what to expect and it's not good captain i imagine ben volan like all the the worst offenders ben volan uh, almost the coach people of that ilk moving on the whole rocky four living in america 
big show open theme. They're in a cabin somewhere in Siberia working out so that their takes are hotter than ever, Dan. Uh, Dan, you, you really chronicle and pay attention probably more than the, the rest of us combined to the media noise surrounding the Patriots. So have you found, have you found some Zen place in just reading Curran trying to stir it up with his top 50 of the Patriots ever, just kind of benign stuff like that that's barroom talk? You know, I should be reading that. It's, it's, it seems like a nice place to go, but uh, I haven't paid attention to that one at all. Uh, as far as like pre-camp takes, though, I, I I see one that's sort of an insidious one. It's sort of a uh, the presumption that Belichick's going to start Cam come hell or high water. I've seen a few different people all make that claim, even though there's nothing to support that. Um, and I think it's a pre-planned strategy so that if Cam starts, the presumption will be that it's only because of Belichick. And if Max starts, the presumption's only that Belichick got goaded into it rather than the production of an open competition. Who in their right mind believes, who in their good faith right mind believes that Bill Belichick is ever going to be bullied into anything by what the media thinks? And regarding the quarterback competition, and I don't want to get too deep into this right now, Belichick is on record, I believe, and I'm going to say I believe, but I believe this, I, I'm, I'm, I'm more right than I'm wrong here. Tom Brady was the best quarterback in Patriots training camp in 2001. And he didn't start Brady because Bledsoe had a contract. He also didn't have the pelts on the wall that he does now. So I'm pretty sure that after 20 years of, of doing his thing as head coach of the Patriots, that Bill Belichick is going to start the person who gives them the best chance to win week one and moving forward. John, um, you know, First of all, everyone, happy 4th. Um, we're back. This is dropping the week after the 4th, but um, how have you looked at the relative, and again, relative silence of mediacy uh, regarding the Patriots and Boston media? Yeah, you know, I think our break uh, that we've had together collectively doing this pod is is kind of an apt metaphor for the reality of the league. You know, the, the NFL wants to be a 12-month league, but it's a seven to eight-month league. And, you know, they, in the absence of real content, I think we've said this before, in the absence of real content, content will be conjured. And they spend four or five months conjuring up content, fake narratives, top 50 lists, barroom stuff, you know, needless drama, you know, just anything to kind of generate clicks and eyeballs. But in, in reality, the league only generates maybe, maybe eight months worth of legitimate content. So, you know, people are going to overanalyze mini camps. Scarty talked about small sample sizes. You know, you're going to you're going to make up stuff about Hightower retiring. You're going to make up stuff about Cam is guaranteed the starter. I mean, if I felt like if I felt a dead solid lock on anything, it's exactly what you said, Mike. Bill Belichick is going to start the quarterback and start the entire team that gives him the best chance to win in Week One. I mean, what have we seen in the last 20 years that would make you think there is any sort of fake? kind of BS going on here. He is going to play the guys who give them the best chance to win. It is about the team. It's always been about the team. So, you know, you look around the rest of the league, it's, it's you know, every other team's dealing with this. It's Aaron Rodgers drama. It's, you know, it's kind of fake narratives. from It's video game releases. You know, video game releases are leading the day for the NFL. What's on the cover of, you know, Madden? What's, what's, what's the number, you know, ooh, Stephen Gilmore is the highest rated quarterback. Clearly the Patriots need to re-sign him. You know, it's like, 
hey, we're already, we're getting into fantasy draft season and we're going to be reading about other people's fantasy drafts. You know, it's like, that's not real content, you know, but whatever you, you've got to, you know, content will be conjured in the absence of content. So, you know, I think we've, we've done a good job. I think you almost taking a little bit of a hiatus when a hiatus ought to be taken. You know, there's not a lot of real stuff to talk about. No, I agree. And our, and our a good friend and friend of the show, Jim on Twitter, uh, he's always pining for content from the starting five here. And Jim, we're, we're not going to shove shit down your throat when it's just that. It's shit. Conjuring is not okay. I mean, barroom talk is okay. The, the current top 50 stuff is pretty benign. I'm sure he jimmied around some of the ratings. There was some stuff there to, to generate content and get, as they say, over at, at, at Gasper's bosses would say, over at WCVB. You know, we want content, we want engagement, even though they don't understand, you know, what that word means, despite Gasper having copious amounts of thesauruses. Is that even a word, thesauruses, in his office? Um, there's nothing wrong with, with mindless good chatters. It's the gaslighting and the conjuring. It's the bad faith merchants. That's this week's phrase that pays, is bad faith merchants ignore them. All right, topic one, we've all opined on, and this is uh, topic two, and I'm gonna throw it, Dan, to you. This is regarding Ordway's retirement, and even more importantly, his legacy, quote, unquote. Um, there was, it was much ballyhooed. Um, a lot of it, I found, if you read my piece on the 15net.com, I found a lot of what happened uh, the reaction to of Ordway's retirement and the revisionist history of it really bothered me. And it probably, you know, anyway, your, your thoughts on Ordway's retirement, but more, more to the point, his legacy and, you know, what he what was left in his wake with the old big show. Well, first I want to persuade people to go out and read your piece because you covered quite, quite a lot. And then it was, it was popular. You had hit the nail on the head. Um, certainly the media is lining up to fate and fillet Ordway as some giant of the industry. And, you know, you get that, that's, it's, it's an uh, incestuous industry. So they have, they have to do that. But what exactly did he pioneer? I mean, the Weiner line uh, that he, that he brought somebody like Alex Reamer on the scene. That's, that's not something to be, have as your, uh, a memorable legacy. Um, that's something that's actually indictable in a court of law. <laughs> I remember back when they were the top of the heap and they were bragging about the, the ratings and, and, and they, thinking that it was due to talent. It's kind of like what uh, Bedard does now and not being the beneficiaries of this unprecedented uh, run of Boston success combined with having no competition. And then as soon, once the true competitor with an actual signal range showed up, he got wiped out and, and got replaced by, was, was it Saki? Mike Soft replaced Glenn Ordway. That's like... That's like being replaced by Mario Mendoza. You That's know, a legacy the, right there. Radio is, is Mike Salk. And I'll tell you more after this. Then, when he tried to get back into the game, he re, he, and he had this little internet radio from his attic, uh, he regurgitated the exact same tired old formula, uh, but un, unfiltered, which means I guess they can swear this time. And and not paying, how, how do you pay his guys with like... Uh, I think you had it in your piece. He's, he's paying off uh, Shepard with um, expired, expired gift, gift cards. cards. I want to throw in an old Doc and Nelly's 
Doc used to be a restaurant at at, uh, Cobb's Corner in Canton that closed in the early 90s. But he is, you know, he never paid. Everyone that was on that show is on record. They had to schlep. Alex Reamer, Pete Shepard, Greg Murphy had to schlep down to Cohasset, which is the other side of the goddamn world, if you're anywhere north of Boston. You're miles off of Route 3, so you can get to Ordway's Enclave, the house that takes built in Cohasset to go there and, and smell him sweat, sweat and cigar smoke in his white attic. I mean, that's actually, that's not a gig. That is, uh, that's probation. That's what that is. That's probation from Boston media. Shaq, you, what are your, you were, you know, kind of, you know, the, the big show, you know, we were talking about, we were talking in the last week or so, how we were going to, incorporate living in America, uh, you know, in this podcast. So your thoughts on Ordway, the big show, and it's, you know, how it should be remembered versus how it's being framed. Well, first of all, um, I've been kind of thinking about this since it happened. And, you know, in this day and age of everyone has a podcast, everyone has a show, I don't think he's going to retire. I think that you know, because because one if there's one thing that Ordway is good at is he's great at talking about the simplest of things as though they're significant, and he's great at cutting people off with an urgent interjection about nothing. So, I mean, the fact that he lasted this long is is definitely an indictment on all things media in Boston. But I, I, I mean, he's well. What can you say that he didn't say in your article, Mike? I mean, he's an irritating know-it-all pontificator. He sucks the air out of of, of an entire room. I mean, cause he probably already swallowed it. Um, I, I feel a bit, I, I guess knowing that he's done and look, I, I have, I don't listen to sports radio period because you know, our thing is turn off your radios. I, I turned them off probably 10 years ago because they're, they're all just the same, but I guess what the difference was between and trying to put myself into the shoes of these mouth breathers who listened to 98.5 when 98.5 first came on the scene, they were, I guess they were the answer to WEI as far as they didn't talk about non, non-sports topics like WEI delved into because with WEI, you had DNC, you had the big show who talked about Jerry Sandusky every five minutes. You have- uh, That was embarrassing. The, yeah, that 2000, I think around 2013, 2014, that was just ridiculous, that entire thing. So I guess that's why people went to, to 98.5, because at least they dealt with sports. I mean, in not a good way, but at least that's what was happening. And really, WEI was the only, they only crushed the competition because of how, the strength of their signal. Of course, it wasn't the content, and yep. that went to their head. And now here you go. He's leaving, and who do you have to listen to now? Uh, uh, Lou Merloni, <laughs> please. Uh, and and they don't like. Don't even get me started. I don't even know who's on who's on that roster. Uh, just change it to a country radio station or a Christian rock station, for God's sake. Uh, I don't think there's much more left to say after that. Uh, Andy Gresh, Rich Keith, Lou Merloni. Christian Farrier, Mike McNansky, Greg Hill, 
I mean, that's is that is that the twenty seven Yankees in radio form or what? Parade of, parade of nobodies. Yeah. Scott Taylor, do you have any opinion on Ordway? Do you just want to like slough him aside, put him in the the old takes home? Here's the thing: if you want ratings, you need listeners. <laughs> and Glenn and crew did not have listeners at the end. It's you know, a big a big bag of something that no one wants. It's that's a thousand percent true. And EEI is, you know, to use a sign, they're the Andrea Doria. There aren't many deaths, but it's still, you know, it's still a shipwreck. John, um, you've been away. I think there's there's a common thread that I've actually thought about. I've never really said this to you guys, but I'll say it live while we record live the tape, as they would say in the Kirk Minahan show. I think there's a thread that all of us don't live in Metro Boston. And four out of the five of us don't live close to Metro Boston. So, John, go ahead, talk about the big show. You, you've never really listened to it. You haven't lived in New England for more than two and a half decades. You've heard everything secondhand, you've read everything. So what's your take from you know, 35,000 feet? Yeah, from afar, my take is this if these guys on the radio if let's let's say Ordway's career looked like belichick's okay and that means you know bill belichick was the most successful coach for a long period of time ran the best operation and and you know won championships and then you know got summarily fired for for a, a an awful coach you know for whatever reason then tried to get back into business got back into business and proceeded to finish last for a long period of time how would they talk about Bill Belichick? Rich you know, Glenn Ordway is Rich Well, no, you know, I would say in his defense, right? Like, I mean, there were, that was the best show. That was the top show. That was the show that, that kind of set the, set, you know, so if you were to say that they were the, the year over year championship show, you know, under Ordway, he had his run, you know, however, however, you know, you, you view it in hindsight, there was a moment where he was on top. You know, but he was he was booted and he spent the last seven years, roughly, you know, kind of dragging on the bottom and, and not making an impact. Any any head coach who spent the last seven years finishing in last place, making no impact, running an uninspired operation would get torn asunder by the, the radio guys. Yet here's Ordway, you know, cashing the checks making no impact and now getting kind of put out to pasture to do a, a podcast from Scottsdale. So, I mean, I, I think Shaq asked if, you know, the podcast is in his future. I think it was either Finn or, or Reamer um, talked about how he's you know, going to be podcasting from Scottsdale, you know, something he's been dying to do. So, I mean, I, I, I guess I look at it like that. These guys love to, to rip and they, and Ordway built his brand and his career on ripping coaches, ripping GMs, ripping athletes. And he has, he has been kind of at the bottom of the standings, and, and help take that station down into the, into the dumpster. And, you know, that's, that's how he ought to be remembered. I, I really like that comparison. Um, Dan, Dan, you and I have talked about this a little bit offline and good. Talk about Ordway um, in just kind of the, the larger picture state of WEI. It's, I mean, they are the New York Jets of the airwaves. The New York Jets of the airwaves. That's good. You know, I, I was thinking about this. When 
98.5 came on the scene. I was, I, I remember being excited thinking, okay, finally, you, now we're going to have some rational, sober <laughs> sports talk to offset EEI's craziness. And maybe that's part of his legacy is that they went, took what he was dishing and put it on steroids. And, and that's, that's what we've got today. It just more of the more crap than what they were dishing out before. Maybe that's his legacy. You're right. Yeah, you know, Mike. Go ahead. Mike, Mike your, 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 your piece from the 15 that Dan mentioned, you know, you, you talked about, I think you called him the patient zero of today's sports radio landscape, right? I mean, it's, you know, that, that also is his legacy. I mean, how miserable an experience sports radio has become. And, you know, it's all about the, the narratives and, you know, nothing to do with facts. And it's all about kind of the, the drama. I mean, he, if, if you called him the patient zero of it all, I mean, that's, I get, I guess that's his legacy too. If you, you know, it's not the kind of legacy I would want in the business, but that's kind of where we're at. And, and by the way, your send up was, was really good on that. You know, I mean, it was, it was a good piece. I also would recommend folks read it and you juxtapose it against like Chad Finn's piece and you you know, it really does, to, to your point about the accessible nature of the industry. That's, and that's the overarching narrative that I, that I don't think I did a, a really good job of communicating with is that everyone knows each other. There's never heard a discouraging word about any of the shows. There is no media criticism in Boston. And as I said in what I wrote, when Ordway was at the top of the heap and he had no competition except for Sean McDonough on a signal that was pointed out to sea that was very popular with fishermen off the coast of, of New England. But Ordway had 50,000 watts, AM station. Um, he was the only show in town. I, I, he was you know, the party leader in a one-party state. And the minute competition came on board, the absolute nanosecond, any competition, any viable competition, I should say, came on board. He became obsolete. And anyone who was paying attention to Ordway 1.0 could see that. He got exiled to his wife's attic. And then he comes back um, after the, the Mike Salk experiment failed. And then Mike Salk followed me to the West Coast, which proves that I'm in purgatory and that I had a, my previous life was a wretched one. Mike Salk followed me, but when Ordway came back, um, he was he was paired with well, it's the OMF show. Um, when he started parroting Michael Felder, calling Celtics fans green teamers, and he's using all those ninety-eight point five, you know, crutch phrases to disparage his audience. It was like, let me tell you something, Glenn. A septuagenarian like you, a cigar smoking septuagenarian a hair dye enthusiast and a tight end who wants, who's probably blocked with his head too much, aren't going to take down the behemoth that is 98.5. So EEI is almost dead and gone. We can give them last rites. It's just waiting for the curse to come to take them. And I can just pray, pray to any God that's in heaven that podcasts will like this and not the off-day podcast of WEI because, you know, that is, you know, Anyway, enough about Hannibal and Hart. We can talk about them another time. I want podcasts and the ability to listen on demand, 
whether that's podcasts or other things, take down those ass clowns and sniveling racists and just spreaders of just COVID in audio form on 98.5. It is absolutely wretched. And, you know, I, I say turn off your radios, but I mean it. Turn off your goddamn radios. Anyone else have anything to say? Regarding- I got a little bit on this. Uh, doing research for the website and the uh, podcast here, which we do on occasion, I uh, went to, into the archives of uh, Boston Magazine. And when they're not uh, running, you know, publicity for Jen Royal, they would do other things on occasion. <laughs> and what they did was they had a 2006, uh, 2006 article about Glenn and the big show. 2006, so this was five years before you know, the Sports Hub showed up. And, you know, in retrospect, the triumphalism of it all is just schadenfreudelicious. <laughs> so go find that. I'll that's my, uh, that's my order to you. We'll, we'll put a link to it on the Entitletown uh, Twitter account. Anyone else have any insight or want to comment on the big show? I think, I think we're all good there. Go ahead, Shaq. I was just going to say one thing. Well, well, actually, actually two things. Um, the uh, Scarcy, you mentioned Jen Royal. I, I, I just can't get, I, get out of my head without saying, listen to me. Okay, that's it. <laughs> I also but, like uh, to remind everyone, do not get the eggplants. <laughs> All right. Um, anyway, you guys ready for topic yeah. three? Topic three it is. Yeah. Uh, Shaq, this one's for you. And you and I, we got our collective Irish up. Um, talk about this a couple hours before the show started. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it to you. You're the best of the starting five here. Um, Washington football team, no sanctions. Go. Okay, so last summer there were multiple former Washington football team employees who came forward with allegations of sexual harassment, and these were accusations and complaints. That spanned about 15 years. So it was all exposed by the Washington Post. It all came out in July of last year. And the league, that league, announced in August that they would launch an independent investigation. Oh, boy. We know where that that comes from, doesn't it? Ted Wells is warming up in the bullpen, right? Not so fast, my friends. So amid this investigation, they reached a settlement with former cheerleaders who were unknowingly filmed for quote unquote lewd videos for the owner of the team, Dan Snyder. That investigation, which was led by Beth Wilkinson, who is an attorney, it was concluded. And as a result, the NFL fined the Washington football team a grand total of $10 million. Ten million. Yeah, that, 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 that pause was was correct as far as the reaction <laughs> and and now and and the best part about this is the nfl says that the money will be used quote unquote to support organizations committed to character education anti-bullying healthy relationships and related topics whatever that means and then every senior executive will undergo workplace conduct training. Hey, this this ties into WEI too with their uh, diversity training. <laughs> but uh, uh, they're covering diversity and inclusion, LGBTQ issues, unconscious bias, and more. They have a laundry list of ten recommendations for Wilkerson, creating a formal protocol. Blah 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 blah. Anyway, 
but that's it. That that's all that the Washington football team was punished for. And well, hold on, hold on. They got draft. They got docked their entire next seven drafts, right? Because there there was sexual harassment, uh, workplace systematic dysfunction, harassment. I mean, these are important issues that are in the crosshairs of everybody nowadays. So I'm assuming they lost multiple draft picks, if not multiple drafts. Am I correct or am I mistaken? Well, yeah, it's interesting. In the era of Me Too and all that kind of stuff, you would think that there would be a lot more hoopla to this, but nope, nothing. No, they don't lose any draft picks, no suspensions, no anything like that. And one of the reporters from Washington, from uh, one of the beat writers, well, one, Tom Curran's uh, counter, counterpart in Washington, J.P. Finley, had a perfect point, and I'm going to read his tweet verbatim. The investigation into deflated footballs by the New England Patriots resulted in a 139-page report. The investigation into two decades of a toxic workplace culture by the Washington football team resulted in an or report. Say that one more time, Shaq. The investigation into deflated footballs by the New England Patriots resulted in a 139-page report. The investigation into two decades of tox of a toxic workplace culture by the Washington football team resulted in an oral report. Dan, I feel like Shaq put this on a T for you. So you're our resident Patriots punishment expert. Craft <laughs> Media Productions took a video in the press box at uh, Paul Brown Stadium in Cincinnati. The Patriots lost, lost draft picks, draft pick and were fined. The Washington football team had a two decade culture of systematic harassment sexual harassment and just an overall toxic workplace culture and they were fined cash you know i would like to be passe and say take their picks all of them but you're our resident expert on all things with regards to patriots punishment so uh the floor is yours uh, well it's predictable i mean you knew nothing was going to happen it's with goodell it's always finger to the wind leadership nobody's going to raise a, a big enough stink for the league to be in trouble if they don't do something uh, more substantial, like what happened with the Ray Rice fiasco. Um, so they slapped their wrists. Uh, it, it was entirely predictable. I, <laughs> you knew it was coming. And it, anything that comes down the line, unless it's something that they know they're, if we don't do this, somebody's gonna be mad at us. It's, we're gonna face some uh, legal jeopardy. That's Those are the only times that they make any kind of moves. I of like the Patriots involved. I really like the phrase finger in the wind leadership. That's exactly what's happening here. It's it's really it's there's no foresight, there's no real leadership per se. All it is is putting out the fire, getting the bobos that you have on payroll that aren't in your employ, like Rappaport, Schefter, Michael Silver, those guys. Those guys can kind of control the message on a larger basis. And I mean, how long did, you know, the uh, Deflategate stuff went a long time. I mean, Brady, Brady fought the good fight for a long time, even if Kraft didn't. And he finally put up the white flag and accepted the suspension and took it out of the courts. Um, man, it's like this Washington football Thing, it really died quickly. And I don't know if it's because we're in the, the dead zone shack, but 
Go ahead. Go ahead. I just, I, I, I'm puzzled by it. And think about when the story was released. It was released on the same day that Bill Cosby was taken out of jail. Just think about that. Was so, that actually on Friday? Was it done? That was on Friday. Yeah. Friday of a holiday weekend. I mean, that's that's exactly the Boston, that's the Massachusetts politic playbook. John, or wrestling. Oh, wait. Yeah. Go ahead, Chad. And I, and I just want to add context to what the $10 million means. And to an organization that's ranked 19th on Forbes' list of the most valuable sports teams at around $3.5 billion, $10 million is, it's like $2 to the rest of us. So That was half of the signing bonus he paid Dan Wilkinson 20 years ago to be a bust. You know, shout out to our buddy Peeves, B-U-S-T, bust. John, you're a resident political expert on the podcast. Um, go ahead. It, it, I, I was going to, I was going to say, Mike, he's just going to increase parking at uh, training camp by a dollar per car to pay that $10 million fine. I mean, I think that's a, that's a Dan <laughs> Snyder special, right? Um, the, the, you know, it's a gross franchise and it's actually, it's worth remembering, you know, in moments like this, despite the crafty ones kind of, you know, peccadillos from time to time. He's not perfect, but he is no Dan Snyder. And well, the Patriots are no Washington football team. You lived in D.C. for several years. So it yep. was probably close to two decades ago. But even then, the, uh, the Washington football team, the fan base was kind of turning on him then. Add two decades to that. Yeah, I mean, look, I really do think one of the lowest classes of human beings out there on the planet are pro sports owners. And Dan Snyder is like among the, the worst of the worst, right? I mean, most of these guys, not all of them, most of these guys are, are slimy, you know, motherfuckers, right? And, and you know, Dan Snyder is like, if he's not like in the, the uh, on the Olympic uh, platform here, getting a medal in the top three among all the four major leagues, I'd be, you know, he's, he's definitely in the top of the top of the running for it. He's, so, you know, this is, this is the culture you would expect. I mean, yeah, when I was there, uh, you know, Snyder and, and this team, they were known for, for being kind of a, a lousy organization, bad culture. It doesn't, I want to go back though to, to Shaq's point on the, the lack of written report and the, and the finger in the wind leadership. Yes. Yes. Um, that, you know, that to me, like, I, I want to make this about Goodell, you know, because anytime I have an opportunity to slam Goodell, I'm, I'm going to take it. And the way the Patriots have been treated with their ridiculous, quote unquote, scandals, and then the way the league has treated the Redskins, excuse me, the Washington football team on this one, um, the fact that there, you know, there was a, a independent investigation with no written report. I mean, are you kidding me? You know, the, more of this is going to come out in the form of um, individual litigation. You know, women that were affected by this will have the opportunity to sue individually. And, you know, they may be able to get their hands based on the legal process on the notes that were created in this investigation that aren't yet public, you know, they, this stuff may indeed become public down the road. I don't think the $10 million fine uh, is the last we'll hear of this. Now, why the league spiked a written report on this is a great question. I'm counting on the fearless Albert Breers and Adam Schefters of the world to hold the commissioner accountable and risk their prized possession of a press pass and, and, the, and the unfiltered agent access and league office access they get, 
I'd like to see somebody step up and put all those, all that prestige on the line and ask that sort of question. You know, why the league was comfortable spiking a written, a written report here when, oh, by the way, they, they, you know, they want these lengthy garbage Ted Wells reports when it comes to something stupid like deflated balls. Well, they, when they can feed the masses with bullshit like they did during Deflategate, and like Deflategate's bullshit, right? Dave, God bless the God, one of the godfathers of this podcast, Dave Brown, engaging with complete morons today regarding Deflategate is like, my pet phrase was only the colossally stupid or willful ignorant cannot comprehend, you know, PSI. So that is what it is. That is any one of us, the five of us in our workplace, if this report came through, or excuse me, there wasn't a report, it was an oral report. And I'll resist the, the obvious joke here regarding a former reporter regard, uh, surrounding the Redskins or covering the Redskins. Um, pause for laughter. It's, I just, I don't know, you know, we can be painted as honks, bobos, Elvis teamers regarding this. But just because we are, doesn't mean that we're wrong. We're not wrong. It, I, this podcast exists in large part because we're not wrong about this stuff. Um, Scarzi, go ahead. I mean, this is, this whole thing is completely outrageous. Oh, it is. The written report is obviously stored somewhere next to the 2016 PSI data that was collected. Absolutely. Go ahead. It was never, never, uh, never brought to light ever again because clearly it did not, uh, did not lead to a conclusion that the league wanted. But uh, this is a, this is a warning to the Patriots and any other, you know, the, the Saints as another team that was uh, punished and any other, uh, of the non-favored teams will go easy on you if you're, you know, irrelevant for 30 years, like the uh, Washington football team is. 30 years and counting. I mean, they've had, you know, uh, Robert Griffin III blew out his leg against the Seahawks in a playoff game in 2012 in Russell Wilson's rookie year. And, you know, that's their, their what, what's the uh, thing they play at the end of the uh, NCAA basketball tournament? One shining moment. One shining moment. Not my friend Jim Nance does his flower lead up to one shining moment. Uh, I mean, imagine having a wild card loss being the highlight of your franchise for going on. They won the Super Bowl in 91, so almost 30 years. Almost hey, careful, careful, careful. Bills loss. fans are wincing. Bills fans are wincing right now as you as you talk like this. I man, I'll tell you, I was like, I put on my Twitter account this week. And I'm wincing, even as I say this, that Greg Bedard shares my opinion of Josh Allen, but he called him Cowboy <laughs> Josh Allen, which made me want to throw up, you know, on my dad, dad New Balance sneakers. So, oh, can you even imagine? God, don't don't watch don't watch Chris Sims is uh, un unbuttoned or whatever his his podcast is called <laughs> with Aaron Rodgers. He literally he verbally <laughs> rapes him on that show. Like watch it and you will you want to take a shower after that one. I want to take a shower after hearing <laughs> you describe it. I mean, uh, are he, we done? He, he literally sings to him. He sings to him. Oh God. Isn't unbuttoned Favre's podcast? 
Hey, <laughs> there are so many obvious jokes here that even I could make them. Uh, are we done with the, anyone else have anything to say about the Washington football team? I mean, that again, that could be an entire podcast. Um, I want to touch on a couple of things before we get to listen to emails. Um, we talked earlier about the collective presumption that Cam Newton starts the season. Um, you know, there is a storyline there. I agree a thousand percent, Dan. There is a storyline there that whatever happens between Newton and Jones and God forbid Stidzy, you know, Stidzy's got some sick watches. He's got endorsements. His, him and his wife take unbelievable Instagram photos, you know, kind of like John and his wife taking the, the great Instagram photos. Um, it's just, it's just, Easy and lazy is the Boston media way. And that is Glenn Ordway's legacy. Easy and lazy. Fabricated takes, the easiest way to go, no research. Let's throw it to the Wiener Wire line. You know, maybe we'll take that scarcity. Maybe we should set up a Google voice number to do a Wiener Wire line so that Vinny Jace, our buddy Vinny, can call and leave us um, voice messages, Jim, our buddy John, et cetera. Um, we talked about, you know, Chris Gasper a couple of weeks ago, just fabricating stuff in the, in the grand globe tradition, fabricating stuff out of thin air that he said he heard on 98.5, the sports hub. And I got to give all the credit to um, someone we all know and respect, um, BSJ subscriber tracker. His title on his Twitter account alone makes him one of my favorites. His, at, his uh, Twitter handle is at Buckner's Legs. He actually transcribed uh, the Felger and Maz show that Gasper referred to uh, regarding Boston fans. Shaq, do you, do you have anything to say about this? He actually transcribed the show, um, the Felger and Maz show that Gasper referred to. Um, you got anything to say about a Shaq? I mean, it was, I don't want to get too deep in this as ways ago, but Gasper, you know, channeling his inner Tomasi, just making stuff, making shit up and putting it out there. Right. And this was all had having to do with the Celtics hiring. Ine uh, Adoka. Ine Adoka. Yeah. And, and Gasper putting out this tweet. I don't even want to find it because I, I can remember it, not verbatim, but I can pretty much paraphrase. Basically saying that callers on 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 the Felger and Mass show or a caller or whatever is basically saying that he's not qualified or whatever, whatever that he said. And Buckner's legs, God bless him, actually listened to FNM so we don't have to. And apparently there was no caller on FNM on June 23rd that said that they were offended by the coach's race. And so, and then what's even worse about this entire thing is that he, he when, when he's finally challenged on that, and it, of course it's not surprising that he was misleading an, an audience for national clout because that's really what he's doing, right? I mean, WCBB, yeah. look, they, they've got it. They've got to do any, again, like you, like you were talking about earlier, content is everything. So you have to put out some, every, anything you can put out there. And it doesn't matter who it affects. It doesn't matter what, 
what narrative it is, as long as it's getting attention, no news is good news. And so, you know, I guess, and I guess they don't really care because he's their guy on, you know, weekend sports updates right before a story about a cat being stuck in a tree. <laughs> but he, after being challenged on this, he, he he then doubles down and says, oh, I didn't say it was callers. I said caller. You know, of course, Still playing, a semantics, Still playing, playing, playing the semantics game. And right. the, I mean, the gaslighting never stops. So he, yeah, it was just, he, that it was just a bad week for him. He was just flailing all over the place. And uh, I think he used the word sensey that week too. And I added it to my profile because I thought it was so hilarious that he, of, of his age is using word abbreviated words like that. But yeah, that's all I have to say on that. Yeah, the Gasper thing, you're right. It's like Gasper, you know, deserves, you know, in honor of Glenn Ordway's retirement, we should probably do as he did in the old big show. Glenn Ordway did the hockey minute. We should do the Gasper minute and just leave it to 60 seconds because that's really all he deserves. Gary Tangway deserves no time and we're not going to talk about him. So, but Chris Gasper, the Gasper lighting, get the hell out of here. All right, so I'm gonna give uh, the addresses first. Entitledtown at gmail.com is the email address. And unless we have, unless you guys wanna you know, chime in, I will get to our first email. And it's from a veteran emailer, uh, Vinny Jace, who, is, this is a bit of a callback here. Um, we talked about the 1976 Patriots on a recent podcast. Um, John, I feel like we should have queued up dad for this and done like a five minute hit that would have turned into a 75 minute hit with him talking about the <laughs> 70s Patriots. Um, he wants to know if, if, if justice prevailed in Oakland in 1976, would the Patriots have won the Super Bowl? So we're not gonna get into hot takes regarding that, Vinny, um, but the answer is yes. Um, I'm not old enough to remember it. The 76 Patriots would have changed the narrative forever in Boston media by winning that Super Bowl. And so that's neither here nor there. Um, I, this next email is for Dan. This is from my friend, Pat Bowen. Um, Dan, this is, again, I feel like you're playing the easiest 18 holes of golf in your life today. Again, I'm putting it on a tee for you. This is from Patrick. Um, I clicked on a story regarding the videotaping quote unquote scandal of 2007 recently, commonly referred to as Spygate. Why? I don't know. I must have been stoned and looking for a good laugh. My question for the experts, false, is this. Are the ratings for the four letter network so far down the shitter that they have to rehash bogus stories to get clicks and views? Short answer, yes. I already know the answer, but would love to hear you riff on this. Dan, take out your driver. This is a long drive contest and just hit it over the net. Well, if he's talking about the the latest one, the, the Trump Spectre one that we were discussing a few weeks back, yep. um, I think that's all tied to the book that Wickersham's writing. That's a thousand percent. September, thousand October. Percent. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the easy answer. Um, I, I think we answered that question. I think we answered that question on the, on the last podcast, but that was the one where 
you weren't here, Mike. So I think um, I want I'd, like I'd like to know what you what you think because he this 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 entire this entire thing of 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 ESPN it's not new, but it's just a new it's just a new flavor of an old recipe. You know, it's funny. Um, what came out over the last twenty four hours, and this is going to go to. This podcast will be released on Tuesday after the holiday. All you need to know about ESPN, and this, that's overly dramatic, but like the Rachel Nichols stuff is like if you have, if you have the ESPN hierarchy in your corner, and if they believe that what you're doing is good or drives ratings, you know, reality doesn't matter. And I don't want to get into the Maria Taylor, Rachel Nichols thing. I just think that's, I, I don't know enough about it and I'm not going to spot off about it, but I think ESPN, it's disingenuous, the content they produce. And like every media source is slanted and you got to be smart enough to kind of read between the lines. And most people are just read between the lines, make your own opinion. Don't let the opinion makers make your opinion. You know, think for yourself and take in information from different sources. And, you know, I think the five of us have done that. And we've kind of joined together here to kind of talk through our thoughts, do that sort of thing. And I think, you know, you know, I'm clearly biased, but I think we've done a pretty good job at that. Um, the last question is, I mean, this is, I had a bullseye on my forehead. This was hit me right in my forehead from Vinny again. And this is regarding weapons. Um, Vinny says, I believe wholeheartedly the wide receiver position is superfluous. Thank you, Chris Gasper. And that it doesn't matter if we're in a playoff game with Myers as our number one. And if Tennessee has AJ Brown as theirs, what matters is can you get them the ball or not? And that's quarterback line play, et cetera. That's me adding that. Um, if he ran a team, he would never think about investing a high draft pick or excessive financial capital in the wide receiver position. Belichick is on record of this. Um, he would take Demir Bird um, or other less expensive means. Now, I would add that just because receiver doesn't mean somebody on the outside, Dan. Receivers can be Rob Gronkowski, they can be Hunter Henry, they can be John o. Smith, they can be James White, Kevin Falk, you know, Sony Michelle. Um, just because only wide receiver, there are more than wide receivers that are allowed to catch the ball. The weapons industrial complex, and I'm play, making a plan words for a previous podcast title. The wide receiver. The players who are furthest away from the ball, you don't prioritize them. That's Detroit Lions thinking. Matt Millen thought that, Dan. Am I right? Am I crazy? Yeah, I mean, Mike, I'll jump in. It's uh, I, I was thinking about this in a different sort of context. Uh, it was yesterday, I think today, Somebody's starting to post their their rankings for fantasy drafts, and I look at it, and and it was a very thorough roll up. 
of you know the entire league and, and every position. And I look at quarterback, I don't see Patriot quarterback in the top 15. I look at running back, there's no Patriot. I look at tight end, and it's probably because you've got Smith and Henry. Both of them are kind of, you know, undervalued because the, you, know, you don't know how the mix is going to be on split at that position. And it reminds me that, you know, the Patriots, when it comes to fantasy drafts, are going to be a, a very undervalued team, which, of course, means they stink and they're not going to win any games, right? Because that's, unfortunately, I think the thinking uh, with a lot of kind of semi-casual yep. or, or one-team fans that, you know, if you're not drafting weapons in your fantasy draft in the top round or two, if you're not fighting for the, you know, the, the guys at the top of the draft, the, the Christian McCaffrey, you know, like the Panthers are going anywhere with Christian McCaffrey. I mean, I mean, the Patriots have got a really good balanced team. And, well, of course, the, the, the Panthers do have Sam Darnold, so they could go somewhere. So I, I reserve my right to, oh, God. to, 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 to reassess that one. But the, the Patriots have got a really, really good deep team, really good deep team, not a lot of weapons. They're not going to be a say, uh, are going to think the Patriots aren't any good. And I think they're going to surprise a lot of people when they win a dozen games. Oh, agreed. Uh, let's move to our final segment, which is final thoughts. And Dan, I'm going to throw it to you first. I'm going to go top to bottom on the Zoom. I'll go Dan first. So, uh, Dan, you're on the you're on the clock. Okay. I, I want to make an appeal to Cam Newton. Please stop with the nicknames. You're you're trying too hard. Nobody will think the worse of you if you just stop. I mean, I mean the thing is, they're they're not clever. They're like some. Uh, a W stream of consciousness nicknames labeling like the first thing that you think of. He calls Mac Jones, Mac and cheese, but here's the deal. Mac Jones's name is Michael McCorkle Jones. Mac is already his nickname. Only Cam gives nicknames to people who already have nicknames. It's like saying, uh, Hey lefty, I'm going to call you lefty Lucy, righty tighty. Uh, hey red from now on you're read a book. And even when there's like a plainly obvious one right in front of him, he, he doesn't see it. So like Isaiah Wynn, you, you look at his name, he's I win. That's, that's what he should be. But what does Cam call him? Winnie the Pooh. Cam is Michael Scott. <laughs> All right. Really I got I, I to jump in here. Dan, Dan, you know what this reminds me of? You guys remember the sports reporter show from back in the day? And, and, you know, the guys got there, like, final minute, and it was – you could tell how scripted it was. I can see you've been thinking about this. You got it, you know, well thought out, and you laid it out like Lupica back in the day. You have the sports reporters. I don't mean that's, that in a, bad, in a bad way. Just to be That's clear. the meanest thing you've ever said to Dan, <laughs> comparing him to Mike Lupica. Shaq, uh, your final thoughts, my friend. Um, <laughs> how, about, how about William – how about – let's go with William C. Roden. Is that better? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to follow that one because yeah, Dan had Dan is basically summed up everything I think about his nicknames. He it's like, <laughs> what do you what do you what are you gonna call what are you gonna call uh Jared Stidham? J Man? Like it's it's like come on, do, do better with everything. And but I wanna delve deeper on well not deeper, but a little bit onto the wide receiver question that Vinny had and um Look, I know a lot of people are going to are going to uh, turn on turn this off when I say this, but I'm still looking forward to seeing Nikhil Harry with a decent word. Absolutely, because, 
because he was injured by a few nasty hits right at the start of his career. That's in fact sent him back for a season. And then he comes back with at, at the latter half of Brady. Brady already has his guys and already has his, you know, targets in motion. And, you know, Harry is young and Brady. I mean, we could say that he kind of lost patience for the youngins. So, and that's not anybody's fault. It's just that it's just the way it is. And yep. so, and so there, there was that season and then 2020 happened and we don't need to talk about 2020 because all you need to say is Cam Newton, who was absolutely awful in the passing game. But I think this season, uh, he has the skills, he has the size. Hopefully Cam knows how to throw accurately or somebody else gets a shot. And so with Harry, um, and, and, and I think that's part of the reason why they didn't pull the trigger on Julio Jones is because they see something in the kill Harry. And now with some help outside of him and Jacoby Myers, I think that there's going to be a, a, a shift in the offense in, in, in whatever, whoever the quarterback is, I think that they'll be able to, and that just makes me even more excited for the preseason, even though it's the preseason. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see where the relationships develop yep. and, and particularly as far as Nikhil Harry and whoever's throwing the ball. You know, I agree, Shaq. We're five weeks away from the preseason as we record this, give or take. Um, since John insulted Dan by calling, you know, referring him as a sports report, uh, sports reporters, I'm going to call Shaq the Mitch album of Entitled Town, <laughs> but I'll throw it, I'll throw it, I'll throw it to John here to slander all of us in his final. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Lupica. His Tuesdays with Maury book. We'll talk about that another time. That wasn't that bad. Um, you know, that we didn't talk a lot about Gilmore and the Gilmore no. stuff's been in the news. And so let me touch on Gilmore real quick. And I'm going to say, Mike, you know, you went on record. You said Greg Bedard, you and Greg Bedard are, are besties on your Josh Allen. Fuck assessment. right off. I know. I'm sorry about that. I did hear it. I think everybody did, but I, I will. I will double down. I will join you in the pro Bedard camp. Uh, he's he's right. He's right that Gilmore is going to be back with the Pats, but of course he does it in a bullshit gaslighting, you know, straw man sort of way. You know, he says the old version of Bill Belichick would have been happy letting Gilmore go, but because he's has what to the, the fuck bills. is the old version of Bill Belichick? <laughs> hold, hold that thought. Hold that thought. You know, he's got to face the Bills twice. And he's he's got to get revenge on McDermott. And he's afraid of the Bills and the, the dominant <laughs> Bills. You know, I don't know how you beat the, the, the mighty Buffalo Bills in this division, but you damn sure better have Stephen Gilmore, the 99 on, on Madden. Right, you damn sure better have Stephen Gilmore if you want to. Uh, it's Stephon Gilmore, you. Yeah, it's Stephon Gilmore. Sorry, sorry. If if you want Stephon Gilmore, you better have Stephon Gilmore if you're going to shut down the the. Wait, did he say Josh Allen sucked? I guess you need the '99 cornerback Stephon Gilmore to shut down the uh, Cowboy Josh Allen. Anyway, I don't know how to make sense of all that, oh, but I Josh. do agree with Greg Bedard. I do agree with your boy, Greg Bedard, that Gilmore will be back with the Pats this year. Shaq, I know you tweeted on this too, by the way. So anyway, if you want to jump on, piggyback on that one real quick. Yeah, just real quick. I listened, I, I, I posted this on my Twitter. I listened, so you all don't have to, of, of the Bedard podcast, the most recent one with uh, Nick. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not part of the media cattles. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
And Bedard was basically saying, first of all, he doesn't know any of the players on the team. So that's that's yeah. that's good. You that know, was so embarrassing. That was absolutely that was, that was, embarrassing. He doesn't know who Anthony doesn't know who Anthony Jenkins is, but you know, you're paying $39.95 a month. You I mean you might as well know who somebody is, but who cares if you're great Bedard? But then he says that the Patriots had to buy an entire roster. So they bought the roster. Oh, actually, yeah. well, I'm, I'm not. I'm not even going to play the clip. I found it, but I don't want to. I don't want to trigger you more than you already are. But um, the cap was lower than, than intended. But it doesn't matter because Belichick has to. He has to pay everybody so that he can be able to uh, prove himself that he's an actually good, actually a good coach. Just I, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Can he you had to buy his way he had to buy his way out of a bad roster with free agent spending and then he said where do any of these guys play so i mean that was those were the highlights that i picked out thanks thanks to you for listening so i didn't have to yeah thank you Shaq, for doing that can you imagine that doughy motherfucker going full goodfellas going fuck you pay me with if your card declines for the 39.95 can you imagine anyway scartelli um, you're on deck for your final thoughts. We have made it to July, and on July 24th, Patriots training camp opens, and unlike last year's COVIDian nightmare, it is going to be open to the public. So, joy of joys, the running of the jorts will happen again. <laughs> well put, Scartelli. Um, I'll do it once again. <laughs> Um, entitledtown at gmail.com uh, the show account is entitledtown on Twitter Scartelli is at Pat Scartell he is the editor-in-chief at the15net.com John is at that John Irons on Twitter Shaq is Atomic Dog 5150 on Twitter Dan is at Patriots Daily on Twitter and my final thought can be summed down to one sentence. Turn off your radio. I feel good.